It's surprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And before we get into today's episode with Mike Kafuzi Co., which, oh man, I love this conversation with Mike. Before we get into it, I want to talk about the Richmond Marathon. It's back. The VCU Health Richmond Marathon returns to in-person downtown racing in Richmond, Virginia, Saturday, November 13th. And I am so excited for this. They also have the CarMax Half Marathon and the Allianz Partners 8K, which is roughly five miles or so. Richmond provides a phenomenal core support with great fall scenery and awesome finisher swag. The VCU Health Richmond Marathon is a top 25 Boston Qualifier. The course is mostly flat with some rolling hills and travels through scenic sections of Richmond. This marathon has been talked about to me so many times. I'm so excited to go there for the half marathon in just two months. It is really exciting. It's great for first timers and features a downhill finish right along the waterfront. And in addition to that, they've just announced this. The expo leading into the race is actually going to be held at the local speedway. So it's going to be an outdoor expo with plenty of overhangs. It's just, it's a really a great thing. I am so excited for this. Be a part of America's friendliest marathon by registering now at www.richmondmarathon.org. And if you do so by September 16th, you'll be able to save $20 on your marathon entry. I will be there. I'll be doing the half. I'm so excited, hopefully, to do some live shows as well at the Expo on Friday. It's going to be a fun experience all the way around today's episode. Mike Coe, you may know him better as Kafuzi. He is a man with one of the most popular running YouTube channels out there. He has tons of shoe reviews, which I always get excited about, daily live streams as well. In addition to that, he also chronicles his own adventures, which in 2021 have been pretty far-reaching. This guy is doing all sorts of things. He basically came into this year and said, hey, I wasn't able to do the things that I wanted to do in 2020, so I'm going to do all the things that have always been on my bucket list. I'm going to see how many I can get done in 2021, and that is exactly what we talk about in this episode. So let's get into it, and before we do, pause it. Go subscribe to his YouTube channel. You don't want to miss it. This guy knows what he's doing. So let's get into it with Mike. Mike Co is here, aka Kafuzi is in the house. Mike, how you doing? Yo, what's going on, Matt? A long time listener, first time guest, so very, very happy and honored to be here. You are a first time guest. However, I will say you were you were part of the Vanley Runner Virtual Summit. That's so right. So you're not completely out of the loop when it comes to, to all things Rambling Runner, but no, you do so many cool things, and I already talked about this plenty in the intro. I'm such a big fan of yours. You're one of my like four or five go-to people that I like have subscriptions for on YouTube that I'm like, yes. And I know every day, just like uh, a couple other people as well, that you always have new stuff up. So it's, it's so exciting. Um, and part of the reason I talked to you today, while you may be known for your shoe takes and the reviews and all the stuff that you put out with shoes, you are on a little journey right now of all kinds of different races that you've been going after and it's really exciting. So, so walk me to the beginning of this from a decision-making standpoint of deciding, all right, what did I want to do in 2021? And what kind of adventures did you want to have? Right. So, I mean, with uh, everything getting canceled in 2020 and even people having a hard time running, you know, I was also going through a lot of the same struggles that everyone else was like, do I really want to do another virtual race? Um, how do I keep training? Do I train or do I just build big? Like what all those things. And that gives you a lot of time to think about like, all right, well, when races do come back, what do I want to do? How do I want to prioritize my time? And for me, a lot of it was like, all right, once things come back, I'm going to do one of everything that I've ever thought maybe I'd want to try that. And so once races did start opening up, once I got vaccinated, I was like, all right, it's on now. It's like, this is like my version of hot boy summer. I'm going to go do every single race that I can find and sign up for. Even if it's way out of my wheelhouse, I have no business doing it. I'm just going to give it a try. So earlier this summer, I did my first trail race, my first, um, my first official, uh, ultra distance race. I did some longer distance runs, uh, during the pandemic, but, um, 
I might do my first official one uh, where, you know, I actually had a bib and everything and ran with other people. And then just last weekend, I did my first triathlon, which is something that I've always kind of been like, yeah, one day I'll try that. Um, but, you know, fast forward like a decade and a half and I still haven't tried it. So I was like, all right, now's the time. No more excuses. So that's what I've been doing. I love it. And the steeplechase. We can't forget the steeple. I, I almost forgot about the steeplechase too. So that was also something that happened like early. Uh, I, the idea for it came early um, in 2019, I think. No, early 2020 happened. It was like right around the time when um, things started getting really nasty with uh, pandemic wise. Every, every I, I'm sorry, everything's going to be like time-wise going to be referenced either before, during, or after, not that we're after the pandemic, but like after kind of like the main mm. bulk of it, but because that's how I'm keeping track of time these days. But like at that point, there were these weird barriers that they had set up along the lakefront path just because parts of it were getting washed out all the time. And of course, I just ignored all that as did most people. And we just kept running through um, and I was treating them like hurdles. And I did, I did hurdle in, in high school for a little bit. And I was like, all right. Uh, then like the pandemic hit, even though I was like still running outside and running along those, those barriers and just jumping over them for fun. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do when the pandemic's over? Or once I can get into a race again, I'm going to jump into a steeple and I'm like, but how do you even find a steeple? And if I do, will they even let me in? Cause when I think about steeple chases, I think about people like that are know what they're doing and that are trying to like make Olympic teams and stuff. I'm like, they're not going to let some guy walk up to the track and be like, I never done this before. Can I, can I get in? Like, they're not going to do that. But you know what? I found a race where they allowed exactly that. Uh, and not only that, um, they let me run against other guys in my age group. So it was, it was, it was super awesome. <laughs> yeah, you're right. The steeplechase isn't exactly someone like for amateurs or, or not even amateurs, amateurs in a more broad, in a broader sense, but the, the complete novice. So I'm be like, Hey, I'm going to try this out. Right. Um, but I have to ask though. So you're, you're running along these barriers in a washout situation. So did was, did you actually have a water jump? So like you're going over the barriers, you landing in deep puddles, you know, on, on the other side. No, I wasn't landing in puddles on the other side, but it was always kind of like somewhat muddy, kind of like sandy water. So like that was the real reason why they had those barriers up because that was part of the bike path. And that bike path, uh, whenever a storm would hit, the lake would like kind of overflow and wash a whole bunch of sand over where bikes would normally go. And so that's why they had that up there. So sometimes you'd land in kind of like, you know, mushy stuff, but never, it was never like a water pit. But that being said, I run by the lake all the time and I run through the water all the time. So I felt like it, it was a kind of a natural transition. I can jump over things. I can jump through water. Maybe I can do this water pit. So yeah, that, those are that those are some of my favorite videos of yours. You, on so <laughs> many of your shoe reviews, you yeah. have like the the Mike running through water pace. I'm like, <laughs> he is really dedicated to running through water. And we should mention um, that you that we talk about running near the water. That you're in Chicago, so I know you have some time. You were in Chicago, and then you were in Iowa, and now you're back in Chicago, and you're doing all of those things. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of water shots. I, I will say that. Yeah, I, I just, I think it shows up really nicely on camera. And so uh, part of it was kind of just like I was getting maybe bored a little bit of just like just the regular running footage. And then one day I was like, I was running and my feet were hot and it was windy. So like the waves were washing up onto the shore and I was like, I'm not going to move. Uh, I'm just going to let the water hit me. And I was like, oh, this is pretty nice. And then like, I happened to have my camera on and then like, like in slow motion, it looks really good. And it made me look like I was running much faster than I actually do. So I'm like, I like all things about this. So let's keep doing it. And so then it started making people annoyed. And so like, it's my version of posting a picture um, on Strava or uh, on Instagram where I finished at like 6.99 miles. So like, that's my version of that is like, you know, getting people riled up about like, aren't you, aren't your feet going to blister? I can't stand wet feet. I'm like, I did. I just did this dude. It's fine. Yeah. That's like a, a Ben Johnson deep cut. Right it, exactly. <laughs> exactly what I'm talking about. He does it like every day. I love it. I, love, I know. It's like, if he, if he puts a round number up there, I'm like, what's this? What is this? What, you know, he must've done, he, he done it on accident. If he did, though, you know, cause he was trying to get the nine, nine and be cute. And then he just missed it. That's what I think happens. There you go. It's just, that is so funny. Well, I think the one that stands out for me, we're going so far afield of how I want to start this conversation. But <laughs> the, the thing that stands out for me for, is with uh, the Tommy ribs craft mm -hmm. carbon race carbon mm -hmm. shoes we really called them a racer they're almost like racer slash uh road to trail shoe mm -hmm. but yeah. i remember you being like i went out it was 10 degrees and slush 
And wouldn't you know it, these shoes are like the perfect fit. You were like, yeah, you're like a pig and you know what out there in like horrible conditions. Yeah. I mean, that, that was probably one of my favorite runs of last year too, just cause like the shoe was weird. Um, it was, it was new. It, I don't even think they, I think they released that one in the zebra print, but it had the zebra print on, on it. It was really unusual. It was the first shoe I'd ever run in from craft. And I've been loving their winter stuff, uh, for running apparel for such a long time. So it was like, and, um, Thomas from believe in the run had sent it to me to test out. So it was like on a lot of different levels, like, oh, there's a lot of like things coming together. And then like the weather got really nasty that day that I was going to run in it. So I'm like, all right. This is perfect. This is what I, this is like, this is what this shoe was made for is like just unpredictable, but you want to try to go a little bit faster and who knows what you're going to encounter. So it worked out really good. And I had a lot of fun making that video. So did he send you the one that he, that he cut up because it was the wrong size? All of a sudden he's on camera taking like a razor blade to a brand new shoe. Yeah, No, he, I think they sent him two pairs and one he did that too. And then the other one that he did not, um, modify is the one he sent to me to try out modify wow yeah. look at you you're so diplomatic um all right so you mentioned you have all these ideas like right, these are all these races that I, i've wanted to do at some points in my life haven't raced in a while seize the day mantra with with the race preparation however you can't race all of these at the same time so there has to be some sort of scheduling dynamic with these so what was the not the order of events necessarily. I mean, we can talk about that in terms of like which came first in the calendar, but which came first for you in terms of uh, race selection and then working around certain races? Yeah. So the ultra distance run was my first one that I wanted to do because I had done like my own like 50K, like just I had, the lakefront was closed early in the pandemic. So like I was just running around the block a whole bunch of times, not one block, but like I had made like a really small loop that I ran around a whole bunch of times and I did it at like two o'clock in the morning. Cause back then we were like, you don't even want to be around people. So I just, I just didn't know. And so I just did it at a time where I knew people wouldn't be, or I thought people wouldn't be around. There was actually a lot of people around, but, um, or I thought wouldn't, people wouldn't be around in the city. And so I did that. And then I did an FKT attempt when I was in Iowa, where my in-laws are. Um, that was also, it was like a 30 mile, uh, run. And I was like, all right, I've been doing some of these. Let's, um, let's like actually get like an official time. And so a lot of the, at least in Iowa, a lot of the ultra distance runs were still going on. So that was something I felt like would be an easier one to not have to worry about cancellations and one where I felt like I could really stay far away from people if uh, I felt like, if I felt like that was still necessary. So that's the one that came first. And then after that, I was like, all right, now let's get this steeplechase done. Because at the same time I was looking at steeplechases, but like, there's only so many meets that have a, an open steeple um, that are around. And so like, I was like, do I have to fly for that? I don't really want to fly for that. So like, it, it was hard to find one. And so like that one, I was looking way far into the calendar to get that one set up. And then around that same time, I was like, uh, all right, well, I've been doing a lot of riding a bike during um, the time I was at my in-laws as well. Um, Cause I had run into some kind of runner's knee issues. And so I was spending a lot more time on the bike and people were like, Hey, you're doing a lot of running doing a lot of bicycling. So like might as well just start adding some swimming in. And so that kind of like resurfaced in my mind too. So that's like the order of like mental events. And then that's the way it ended up on the calendar too. Yeah, there you go. It, it's funny. It's funny how the triathlon seeps in like that. You're know, like, right, well, I'm not yeah. doing a lot of biking and I'm not doing any swimming. <laughs> so it's not as if like I'm doing 90% here and I just have to fill in the rest. It's like, you know, it's quite, literally quite the opposite um and like the it's funny because like the two things the one the two areas that you were less less well versed in were like the the two more technical pieces to the triathlon right not just from a gear standpoint but just from a technique perspective as well so talk to me about the, the swimming man because i loved your chicago recap and you really take a deep dive not only in terms of like here's my swimming background or lack thereof but the mental component that was um problematic i guess in yeah. terms of you know succeeding in the water or even like wanting to get into the water yeah um i'll i'll just say that i severely underestimated how hard swimming was going to be um not that i thought it was like i got this it'll be easy i knew i would wouldn't be great but i didn't think i'd be so terrible and i was, I was pretty terrible at it and um you know being that bad in, in the water like really makes you like it gives you a lot. I, I, I spent a lot of time swimming 
because I'm just so slow in the water for this race. And so not only during this race, but all my workouts too, you get a lot of time to think about things. And, you know, you can't, I, I know that they make certain devices where you can listen to music in water, but I, I wasn't doing that. So a lot of that was very different from all my other training where I, I listened to podcasts, I listened to audiobooks, I listened to music while I'm running or I'm on the bike. But in the water, it's just like, you know, you and your thoughts. And so like, there's no escaping any of it. And you're getting like a little bit hypoxic too. So I just feel like, you know, that's like a shortcut to enlightenment in a lot of ways. So I feel like there was just a lot of um, uh, unintentional, but like unavoidable kind of like realizations um, that, that came to the forefront during all that swimming, just because I was struggling so much at it. Right. Because when you're in the water, it's, we talk about like, oh, I was dying on the run. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's, you know, more metaphor than anything else. But when you're in the water, like you can really be like, I'm struggling to breathe and I need to stay above the water here. Um, and that's a completely different, a different thing. When did it become clear to you that you weren't going to just be able to like go out there and we were doing, you were doing a sprint triathlon that you weren't going to be able to just go out there and just swim the whole way. That well, there was going to have to be like a game plan here. Yeah. I, I mean, I signed up for the Olympic distance, um, which is a little bit longer for, of a swim than the sprint. Um, again, that's not, like my hubris coming in on it, thinking that like, okay, I can do that long of a bike. I can do that long of a run. So therefore I must. Thank be- you for correcting me. I was I, I knew I, so I was like, no, that's a sprint. Yeah. When he talks at the end of the video, he's like, I wish I could do the sprint swim yeah. and then the, the Ironman distance run. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like the, like, so I thought like, therefore I must definitely be able to do the swim if I just put a little bit of work into it. Um, but like, it became pretty clear, like the first day that I'm like, oh boy. I have to swim how many meters? This is really far. Um, and so like, but I thought, you know what? There's going to be a quick learning curve. And all of a sudden, like, I'm just going to struggle, 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 struggle. And then bam, like two weeks beforehand, three weeks beforehand, something will click. And then like, I'll be able to like, you know, I'll, I'll be able to figure it out. Just keep working hard. Don't get discouraged and keep going. Um, and I did kind of have like that kind of turning point where I felt like, all right, things are starting to click. But even then, like, Two weeks ago, I was like, I got, I got to think of a way to get through this because I'm not going to be able to swim like in one go, 1500 meters. Um, that's just not going to happen. So like, what am I going to do to rest? How do I rest? Can I rest? If I can't make it all in one go, do I have to, does that mean I have to stop? How deep is the water going to be? Maybe I could do kind of like, oh, a bob, like when a you bob. start doing the, how deep is the water move? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I could like Bob in the water for a little bit, like sink down and then like come up for air and just so that way my arms and legs can get a rest. Yeah. You know, I, I was trying to think about all sorts of different things of uh, strategies, but you know, then I, I read the rules and realized that there will be opportunities for rest along the way. And there'll be many of them. And then, you know, all, so those are, were kind of like, all right, we'll keep going. You'll be fine. But then like two weeks ago, I was like, you know, I got to figure out a way to, um, do something besides my normal swim because that's not going to get me there. So that's two weeks ago. Was when I was like, mm, this is, this is, this was a mistake. Uh, I should have signed up for a different one. And I, I was very close to kind of seeing if I could switch distances, but I'm just so stubborn. I didn't, even though I probably should have. Well, you did it. And when you were going through the race, again, I know you answered some of this with some of your content, but not everyone watches everything. So I definitely want to touch on some of this. When you were, you know, in the water and you're there, you're next to everybody, which is another component here, right? Mm -hmm. It's one thing to be in a pool. It's, you know, obviously it's still hard, but it's a controlled situation. Triathlon, you know, swims, especially open water swims are known for being a little chaotic. Mm -hmm. Um, And just the open water nature of it can be a little chaotic for someone who's not uh, completely, you know, up to speed with, with the swimming aspect. So what was it like for you in the water on race day compared to some of the training you had done to prepare you for it? Yeah. Uh, you know, when I was, you know, practicing the swim in like in a pool, you know, I could think about here are the things that I want to remember for this. You know, I didn't try to remember all the things that I needed to work on because that's just too many things to think about at once. So each kind of like rep, I would think about, all right, here's what I want to be doing with my hands. Here's what I want to do with my elbows. Here's what I want to be doing with my breathing. You know, I would think about like one thing. During the race, I couldn't think about anything. I didn't think about anything. It's just like, it's like conscious me turned off and just like the reacting, like the subconscious me, it was like the only one driving. So like, I just felt like, I don't know. I, I don't know where I went, but I wasn't there. Someone else was there doing all the driving and they were a terrible driver. So like this, the swim was like miserable and it just constantly felt like, um, you know, when you're ever at the beach 
and you're like, oh, something touched my foot. Was that a jellyfish? And you kind of like freak out a little bit because you're like, what was that? I felt like that all the time, but it was people. And so like, there, I was like, is that someone behind me? Do I need to get out of their way? Like, is someone about to kick me in the face? Is someone going to punch me on accident here? So I was constantly like afraid of that. So anytime I like felt something near me, I kind of froze and stopped swimming to, to kind of, and I would poke my head up and look around and see if anyone was coming. So that, that also slowed me down. So like, I was just totally in like, uh, you know, in terms of fight or flight, I was in 100% flight mode. I was scared of everything. And I got like everything that I like was intending to focus on during the swim. I didn't think about it for a second. So it was a disaster. <laughs> it is one thing to be like, you know, it not, you know, you're, the swimming not going well in terms of like your performance. Mm-hmm. The, this idea of like almost like the, like a, a literal imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. not a metaphorical one where like, I shouldn't be here. There's people passing me. I'm in the wrong spot. All of that going on. Like that just seems like an exhausting situation. Like I was listening to you talk about it and I was trying to put myself in your shoes and I've certainly been enough from an athletic perspective, have been in similar situations like that. And it's just mentally, it's so tiring to, to fall into that mode. Did you have any, any instances that led you to believe that this was actually an issue or was it all just something that was constructed in your head? Um, you know, I, I think I'm not sure. You know, I mean, if it's constructed in my head, I mean, I'm sure I'd, my, my head would fabricate some quote unquote actual instances where it happened. Right. So like, I, I'm not sure, but you know, I did feel like, you know, many, many waves of other swimmers passed me. So I was just like, I'm definitely not in the right spot. Like just the entire, anywhere in this water is not the right spot. I shouldn't be here. Um, cause I'm messing it up for everyone else. So I've kind of have always had that fear and that's, you know, a feeling that I kind of like something I think I battle with a lot is like, I don't know, should I even be here? I'm not really sure. Um, I kind of have uh, like um, Kung Fu Panda, like uh, like the Dragon Warrior Syndrome, where he's just like, I'm just a fanboy that really loves Kung Fu. And all of a sudden, now I'm supposed to be the Dragon Warrior. Like, that's how I feel a lot of times, even in the running space where I'm a little bit more comfortable, because like, I'll be interviewing like a professional runner or I'll be, you know, getting VIP treatment at a race. I'm like, I don't belong here. I don't think you guys know who I am. Like, this is not for me. This is for someone else. So I kind of get that a lot. And then like being in the swim, like really made me feel that a lot too. Cause I'm like, I don't know. I got this like fancy wetsuit on and stuff. I got a triathlon suit on and everything. And I feel like I looked apart, but like, uh, no, no. I mean, like, I. I feel like my, my, you know, my nine-year-old daughter probably could have outswam me on the day, um, easily without a wetsuit uh, uh, and without any practice as well. But, you know, I just, after a while I, I looked around and I was like, I'm seeing a couple of familiar swim caps. So I'm not the only one. And then I was just trying to rally the troops. I was like, come on guys, let's go. We got this. So like, that's, that's kind of like the way that I normally kind of get around that is like, look, we've been seeing each other through this whole race. We're all in the same spot. So like, let's, Let's band together and let's 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 go do it. So was the swim part of your triathlon? Um, again, there, there's more adventures to come, and we'll talk about them. Yeah. But was that the the hardest the hardest thing that you've done so far from a race perspective? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Because like you know, like during other races, you always feel like, oh, maybe I got injured. Did I get hurt? Should I should I stop? Or I'm like, I'm not going out too hard, or I messed up the pacing already. You know, I should probably just stop this race or, you know, jog it in. You know, I, I've, I've experienced all different flavors of that, but never have I been so like instantly like, oh man, I, I think I need to stop. I think I need to quit. I'm like, how bad would it be if I quit today after all this training and I spent all this money and all this time, if I quit after like 200 meters or something, would that be bad? So like a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, there was some negotiating going on. I'm like, yeah, maybe let's just go a little bit farther. Then it won't look so bad if I quit, you know? So there was, there was a lot of that um, going on through the entire swim. And, and like, I've not really f- had to like fight that feeling that much in a race ever before. So that was, that was definitely new. Yeah. I can imagine that is tough. That is tough. Well, good for you for sticking with it. And it was interesting because after, after the, the race and you're doing the video recaps and you're talking about this, you made it very clear that this, you don't want this to be your last triathlon. So you are you when you say that, are you still game for an open water swim? We're not gonna spend the whole time talking about swimming. Yeah. This is a running podcast. Yeah. Promise to all the listeners out there. Yeah. But um are you thinking more pool stuff or you think no, let's just keep going with the open water stuff? I mean, I would prefer to do like a regular like outside triathlon. 
um, because yeah. I just and I guess there's also like lakes that are pretty still as yeah. opposed to like you know kind of oceanfront or things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm definitely down. I'm going to do shorter distances just so I can you know like just kind of like uh, I would advise someone that like really struggled with a marathon. You know, I would say make sure you get a good couple half marathons under your belt. Maybe get some really good 10k training blocks under your belt. And then I'm not saying that, like, you know, some people are very strict about it. Like you shouldn't do a marathon until you can do X, Y, Z in these other races. And I think there's people that are saying that in the triathlon space and they're probably right to a big extent, but I don't think that it needs to be quite that like strict. I just want, for me, I want to feel better at doing the sprint distance swim before I start tackling some longer distance ones. Um, Cause that's why I think I find more enjoyment in the longer events, but I can't get there until I take care of some foundational stuff first. Yeah. And an interesting wrinkle, you talked about how you probably exercised more this summer mm-hmm. than you had in the past, even though you ran less because of the adopting of, of these different, um, you know, these different uh, sports and really getting into it. Have you noticed a difference in your overall fitness or aerobic ability or anything like that, that kind of goes along with the added exercise time? You know, I'm not sure yet. So like, uh, I mean, the big test will be, you know, in the next couple of weeks, I'm getting ready for Chicago marathon and it's a very short, uh, kind of like ramp up to get, oh, I can't wait to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> so like that's, I think where I'll figure it out. I'm hoping that there is some translation there. Cause you know, normally, you know, unless I'm in like the middle of a training block, I'll be anywhere between like eight and on a high end, like 11 hours on feet during a week. But for the triathlon, I was more like 11 to 13, maybe 14 hours of total activity for the week. So that's quite a bit of a change. Um, I I would think that jumping up that much in time, you know, activity, if I was all running, that would very quickly lead to like an overuse injury for me. But like ramping up in terms of that much activity, incorporating these other sports, uh, my body seemed to be able to handle well. So I'm, I'm hoping that like, in terms of overall just aerobic fitness that it's still there and I still got legs. And then with like the, the trail ultra, mm-hmm. obviously that's a ton of you to prepare for that. You just do a lot of running, but if you're doing a lot of that um, off the roads. Then maybe that takes some of the pounding off of it. How are you feeling from a freshness perspective in relation to all the, the output you're doing? I mean, I feel great. My body's feeling very happy. Um, I went for a run yesterday and I was feeling a little bit groggy. I just got back from a run a little while ago and I'm feeling great. Like I'm probably take it easy for another couple of days before I start, you know, getting some workouts in for Chicago, even though I feel like, you know, I'm already behind. I feel like just waiting a couple more days and taking it easy is going to be the more prudent thing to do. But I feel like because those other activities are non-impact activities, my body feels like fresher than it ever has. Um, you know, in like the last several years, I'd probably say. So I'm feeling good. And are you feeling stronger as an athlete? Now, one thing, whenever I have to hop on the bike mm-hmm. uh, for an extended period of time, either, you know, usually it's injury related, right? So I'm, I, I move over to the bike because I can't run. Um, and I'm kind of in that spot right now. This week, I've been really hitting the bike. It's funny because like, I feel like very quickly, I, I notice a difference in my legs in terms of, and maybe it's all mental. <laughs> like all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I look down, like, oh, I got the quads of John Ulrich right now. This is great, right? I feel like my legs are are transforming rapidly right below me. Um, but I definitely notice a difference in terms of, like, I feel like probably how people normally feel when they do the appropriate strength training that they're supposed to be doing in conjunction with their running. Like, I feel like my glutes are being at, you know, are working hard and all of that. And then you throw the swimming in as well for you. Have you noticed a difference in your body? Um, yeah. I mean, the swimming definitely engages the core a lot more. So, I mean, that I've noticed a bit visually, like I'm like, Oh man, it looks like I'm in the, like the peak of marathon training right now where I felt like I was working, you know, moderately hard, uh, during the triathlon training. So like, I mean, just using the different muscles, I think, uh, my body responded to very quickly. And then just being on the bike, I feel like, um, you know, you're using different muscle groups in different ways that I feel like, again, like you were saying with this, the strength training, I feel like those are muscle groups that I tend to neglect during heavy marathon training. And so like, I feel like that's going to help in terms of making me a more like, you know, pound per pound strong runner, being able to get more out of each stride. So I'm, I'm hoping to see some translation of some benefits, Um, and I'll probably continue doing some form of cross training with swimming and and cycling through this next couple of marathon training blocks as well, just to, again, 
take a little bit of the edge off from some of the pounding on the knees, but also to, you know, make sure I'm engaging other muscle groups and not getting so kind of like constricted, you know, getting kind of like that runners, like crouch over that I think that I tend to get, uh, when I get really focused in on, on just running. So are you envisioning incorporating those say instead of an easy run as a double, maybe instead of a rest day, how do you think those will play a part? Yeah. So I really don't like rest days. Um, and so I'm thinking like, you know, it'll be a way of like giving myself a running rest day, but also like still like, you know, keeping things moving and using that more of as a recovery activity. So like, you know, either a swim or a, a day of biking, like, so maybe like one day of each per week. So one day might be a, end up being a double, but you know, uh, one day it'll probably, I think it's going to be Mondays for me in this training block, uh, might be a day where I get out there and just get on the bike for a little while and just spin around and let the legs move. Um, without any impact. All right. So let's talk about the calendar coming okay. up. You mentioned Chicago. I know that's not the only race you got coming up. So how, what, what's, what, what lays ahead for you? Yeah. So the big races that I have coming up are going to be Chicago uh, in October and then uh, CIM in December. That'll be kind of my A race for the year. Me uh, too, my man. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just, remember, I, I was listening to, I was listening to you on the podcast earlier today on the run. Um, and, uh, yeah, I didn't know that you were going to be running there. So exciting. I am, I, I am pumped. I was supposed to run it in the past. It didn't work out. I got an injury and whatever, but yeah. no, I'm excited. So you know, I'm doing one of these, get my, my fingers crossed yeah. right now and knocking on wood as well in terms of making sure this race happens. Um, you know, but we'll see, but yeah, I, I am excited. So I don't want to hijack it. All right. So you mentioned, yeah, you got Chicago, you got CIM. Um, but you have some other things as well too, right? Yeah. So like, uh, Get, I mean, those will just be kind of like getting ready. Uh, other things will be getting ready for like Chicago. So like I'll, I'll probably do the Chicago half marathon. I've done it probably about four or five times. I usually end up doing it um, before the marathon because it ends up being two weeks before the marathon. So it's kind of like a nice way to like punctuate the end of the training block. And then that's when kind of the taper starts. Um, and so that's something that I'll be doing as well. And then uh, you know, I'd like to try and find a race maybe sometime in November to kind of like tune up a little bit for uh, for CIM. But, you know, with New York Marathon being in there, you know, I think, you know, maybe I'll just go and, and go for a long run like the day before on my own and then just watch the race and just get super excited for a marathon. You know, uh, so that's kind of maybe in my calendar. We'll see. You know, my family's out in in the New York and they live in New Jersey. So in the New York area. So oh, okay. it, it might be an, a, a very cheap trip because then I could just stay at my, you know, my parents' house. Oh, I like that. Well, the, the, the so the Chicago half marathon, it being two weeks out from the marathon, it's, I feel like it gives someone a lot of options there. I know the, before you've used this as like a PR race and really going after it. Uh, it does seem like a great way to practice marathon pace from the gun, especially for a race, which is known for spotty at best GPS signals, especially in the beginning part of the race. So talk to me about how you approach the start at Chicago, which you've done, and as well as the Chicago half marathon and how you could potentially utilize those two to complement each other. Yeah. I think that the way that I would be using it this year is probably the way that, you know, most, most coaches would probably recommend doing a half marathon race um, two weeks before your big marathon is I'll probably spend the majority of that time at, you know, goal marathon pace. Um, and I'll right now the plan is to run with my running buddy. So wherever he, he's going to be at is, you know, we'll have like practice kind of like pacing each other, um, for probably 10 miles and then, you know, put in like a fast 5k at the end, um, just to kind of put some, uh, you know, make it a bigger workout, uh, for the day. Um, cause then just other, otherwise, you know, doing a full half marathon at, marathon pace that in and of itself is a pretty big workout too. Oh, so sure. I'm thinking like one of those two is probably what we'll do. And, you know, it's good practice for discipline because there's a lot of people there. There's a lot of good crowd support. Um, it feels like a big city race because it is a big city race um, as well being that half marathon. So, you know, it just gives you a lot of chance to like, you know, get your race kit, get your race shoes, get your race nutrition and like plan it all out. And then you get a really nice, dress rehearsal. The course is pretty different, but, um, you know, the energy is going to be very similar, um, for, for the two races. So it's a, it's a race that I really enjoy doing. And you being a Chicago guy, mm -hmm. obviously like that, that's nice. 
You don't have to travel for the race. It's a, it's a, it's a world marathon major that you don't have to travel for. And not a lot of people can, can do that. Mm-hmm. Was there any um, potential for choosing a race that you hadn't done in the past? Kind of this whole like, hey, we're doing new things this year type yeah. of momentum. Yeah, well, the I mean, the same energy of that made me gravitate back to what I mean. I'm, it's not my race, but I like to think of it as like my hometown race. Um, the course goes right in front of the building that we live in. And so like, you know, I've been watching it long before that I've been, before I've been running it. And and so I was like, this is the race that I really want to celebrate coming back. Um, and hopefully still gets to come back. Uh, so like that was the one where I didn't have any plan on doing anything else. The thing that would have been more interesting though, is that like basically the day before the day I signed up for it was like the first day they announced like, we're going to do this. You know, if you deferred from last year, you know, come claim your entry for this year now. So I was like, click, sign me up today. And then like 12 hours later, it was like Boston Marathon. If you deferred your entry from last year, click today. And I was like, oh, awesome. I want to click on that too. And then I'm like, wait a minute, that date looks familiar. And it's the day (laughs) after Chicago. So I was like, oh man, I've never run Boston before. It was such a big goal just to get there. And I was like, this was going to be my year to do it. Uh, but now I, I'm just like, you know, you wanted to do adventures, man. This was your opportunity. I, right? I that was the name of the game. Well, I know. And then people were like, well, it's clearly you got to do the double then. And I was like, no, I can't, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do the double. I don't think, I mean, that would make a really fantastic YouTube video, but I, I don't think I'm going to be able to pull that off. And so like, and a good like, podcast as well. So if anyone's listening to this, who's doing the double, please rambling water podcast at gmail.com. Let me know. Yeah. Please email. Cause I want to hear that story too. Um, but, uh, I was like, I already signed up for, for the one, you know, like whatever fate, whatever you want to call it, like, you know, that's the way it it landed. So, um, that's the way I'm just going to keep it. I'm just going to leave it the way it is. I'm I'm a, I'm a big, uh, I'm very heavily swayed by defaults. So I was already kind of like in the position of, I signed up for Chicago. So like I'm, I'm, I'm staying with Chicago and I don't have any regrets for it. I'm, I'm pretty excited to kind of like welcome everyone back to my town. It's not my town, but you know, that's kind of how I feel about it. I love that. I love it. All right. So do you have any goals for CIM? You mentioned before that is your A race. So do you have goals associated with that? Yeah. My goal would be to break three hours. I mean, whether or not that can happen, we'll find out a lot of information in the next probably like four weeks. So like that's currently the tentative goal. Um, whether or not that happens, I'll, I'll be adjusting as I go. Um, my, so that's like the time goal. But I think the overall goal is to kind of figure out what my level of fitness can be at its max for the day and execute a very solid race. You know, um, I've run beyond myself many times and I've run easier than I could have run, um, you know, many times as well. But like it's been a very few rare times when I've been able to like really nail down the pacing for my level of fitness for that day regardless of what my time goals were. And that's, uh, I think, an art that I've not yet mastered. And so that's really the thing that I want to do is whether that ends up being 305, 310, 255, whatever it is, you know, like I don't, it, it's kind of like an incidental. Um, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, the last 18 months has helped me kind of let go uh, is like the really clinging to those numbers. But, you know, the number still is, you know, important. It's a nice round number that's there. Uh, and I, I really want to go after it. And so I'm really going to enjoy training for it. And that in and of itself, I think, uh, you know, knock on wood that I'll be able to stay healthy to, to train for a three hour marathon, um, is going to be plenty of fun. And then, you know, just executing a great race will be icing on the cake. And then, you know, if I, if I do get to break three, you know, I guess double icing, I'm, I'm not <laughs> really sure where you go from there, but you know, that that'll be a, you know, super bonus. Cream cheese frosting. I don't know. Yeah, what, what, is, what is the what is the what is upping the game of frosting? Um, sure, sprinkles, maybe. <laughs> sprinkles. I love that. Um, all right, so I have to ask. So you got the video of you doing Chicago uh, triathlon. It looked like. Please correct me if I'm wrong. It looked like the Hoka X2. Mm-hmm, yeah, carbon X2. Yeah. All right, so tell me about the shoe choice. We're getting the shoe choices from here on out. So yeah, tell me yeah. about that shoe choice because I was surprised because I know that so many people have talked about that shoe as a great road shoe, especially if, say, maybe you're doing a marathon or longer, mm-hmm. right? Say like a road ultra or you want that do-it-all shoe that, hey, I can train in this shoe and run a marathon in it as opposed to that pure racer. 
Uh, so for you doing the, the triathlon and it being a shorter distance of a running event, I was surprised to see those on your feet. Yeah. My thinking was, you know, I'm going to get to the, you know, I was pretty, um, I was actually almost exactly correct in terms of my guesses of how long it would take me to do things. So like, I'm, I was like, I'm going to be like two hours and change, uh, like two hours and 20 minutes into the day, um, by the time I get to the run. And so it's not a 10 K I'm thinking of it more as the last 10 K of a marathon. So like, what would be the best shoe to put on? If like, let's say, imagine like you were doing a marathon and you got to have a shoe change in the middle, like a pit stop, what would you want to change into? And so for me, I was thinking my feet are going to be beat up, um, or my body's going to just be a little bit swollen from all the activity. So I want a little bit more room, maybe a little bit more comfort is something that I would want to have. So for me, that was, you know, the carbon X two, it's got a lot more room in the forefoot, um, the upper fits almost kind of like a, a daily trainer. So it reminds me also of like the fuel cell TC, I thought would have also been a really good choice or even like the, um, the trade artist, something like that. That's a little bit more forgiving, has more of like just a daily trainer feel up top. And then in terms of, I wanted some carbon in the shoe, but I didn't want something really aggressive. Um, so like that would have ruled out like the endorphin pro or the endorphin pro two. Cause like that one's a really aggressive one. You really got to be, you know, hitting that hard to, in my opinion, to be able to get a lot out of it. And so like, and I didn't want a very firm shoe. So like, you know, the Hyperion elite two as well, it's a little bit firmer. And again, you got to be moving a little bit faster to, to get a lot of benefit out of it. So I'm like, I'm going to be, you know, I don't know exactly how fast I'll be able to go, but you know, uh, I was like, let's, let's emphasize comfort over, you know, raw performance. So I went with the carbon X2. All right. So you're going to be stepping up your running miles in the mm -hmm. coming months. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously for what, what you're doing, you're not just choosing the shoes that you like the best. You're also reviewing a lot of shoes. So you mm -hmm. kind of had the, the push and pull there. Do you know uh, the shoes that you'll be spending a lot of time in over the next four to six weeks? Yeah. So because this uh, buildup is going to be so abridged for me, so I'll be doing probably a lot more like getting into like the carbon plated shoes a lot more, which is a lot of fun for, for me anyway. But um, and, and so maybe I'm making an excuse to get into the carbon a little bit more. So I'll be spending a lot of time in shoes like um, I've got the RC Elite 2 that I'll probably be taking out for our first run this weekend. I'm really excited about that one. Um, and then the Adios Pro 2, um, Metaspeed Sky uh, endorphin pro two, I'll take on a lot of workouts, even though I don't really consider it for me and my skill level to be a marathon shoe. I think it's a great marathon training shoe, um, because I'll be running at it either like at like 5k pace or at like threshold pace. So like that one is going to be one that gets, that gets used quite a bit. So like, I'm very excited about the different carbon plated options this year. Cause there's, I mean, I feel like there wasn't, you know, a lot of them are iterations from last year, but I think what got lost in last year was just how good all the carbon plated offerings were. They were just so amazing. And so now we're getting refinements on all that and then we're actually getting to train for real in-person races. So I'm very excited about that. But, you know, I feel like the daily trainer category has also uh, really, I mean, all the categories have really flourished in the last couple of years. So. I can't decide which shoes to buy. I feel like my, I feel like my wish list on Bernie Warehouse is yeah. <laughs> like, 20 shoes deep at this point for all the different categories. Um, same with the carbon plate eracers. Yeah. It seems like with the, the bevy of options that are out there, instead of just being limited to like this, the kind of foot type it works with or whatever, there are a lot of options. So for you specifically, mm -hmm. is there a certain carbon plate racer that just happens to fit your not only your speed, like you mentioned with the with the Saucony Endorphin Pro and Endorphin Pro 2, but also your foot shape and the way you happen to land. Yeah, I think for me, the ones that fit me the best are like the Metaspeed Sky and the Adios Pro or or the Adios Pro 2. Like those are my two favorite carbon plated racers. Um, they like give me like I, I like some squish and I like some bounce, like some push from the carbon too. So I like to feel both of those things. Um, so like. I know for a lot of people, they're like, it feels artificial because there's a, you feel a lot going on in the shoe, but I, I like to feel a lot going on in the shoe. So like, I, I really enjoy racing in those shoes. Um, I think the Adios Pro 2's upper is a lot better than the Metaspeed Sky's upper. I think that they're working on that for like the next version um, in terms of nailing down the fit on the upper a little bit better. But, you know, as far as a racing shoe goes, you know, it's going to, it's not, 
you know, it's like a race car. It's not supposed to be super comfortable for you to take on a cross country trip. You're, you're racing in it. So like, you know, it's very purpose driven. And so like comfort is like low on the list of priorities. And so like, you know, when you just want to like get out there and let it rip, those are the most fun shoes to happen in my opinion. I, and I love running them. And it's, it's to say you wore them recently. One of the other races we didn't talk about, you were actually in New England for the Falmouth Road Race. Yeah, yeah, that was like a that was like a bucket list race for me too. Like again, again, you know, when all the races were closed, I was like, all right, I'm gonna make a list of all the races that I want to do. Um, let's look around. Let's do some research. What are like the historic races that are not marathons? You know, that I can go and travel. Hopefully, meet some people. Um, and experience different parts of the country and Falmouth was on there. And then I got the opportunity to work with ASICs. They were like, Hey, we want to bring you out, um, and help us promote this race. Cause this is our first year being title sponsor. Um, so I was like, yeah, I was like, um, I was like, yes, but also let me ask my wife. And then, so I emailed and replied. Yes. And then I asked my wife to make sure it was okay. And then I replied again, and like confirmed my wife said it's okay for me to go. <laughs> so like, I was super excited for, for that race. Um, because it's just, it's steeped in so much history, um, and it's also kind of quirky too, right? So it's like a weird distance. Um, it's a weird place that's a little bit difficult to get to, but it's also a beautiful part of the country at a beautiful time of year to be there. So it was it was super fun. And I did run in the Metaspeed Sky in that one. And it was a, it was my first time running in that shoe in a while. And I was like, ah, yes. You know, my, you know, sometimes your nostalgia, you know, makes the shoe better the more stories you tell about it. And I was like, nope, it wasn't nostalgia. This shoe is good. I really do enjoy it. I had a good time racing in it. All right. So again, we have a lot of time until CIM and who knows, maybe some more shoes will hit your doorstep before then and you might make, you might make a change for Chicago. Is there a leader in the clubhouse? Yeah, for Chicago, I'm thinking the, uh, the Meta Speed Sky again is what I'm going to go for. I think that one will be a lot of fun to race in. Um, and whether, you know, whether I'm going, you know, a little bit slower than, uh, we're thinking we might need to go on the day or, or if I'm going a little bit faster, I think it'll be able to handle all the different paces well, and it's going to still have, you know, enough squish in there for me to make me feel comfortable at mile 20. So I think that's going to be the one for me. I'm just glad that you're still here. Cause after watching your video of running in the Adidas X, I was like, this guy's going to break his leg. I'm watching you do corners in that shoe. I was so nervous. Yeah, that shoe's fun. And I do think that I'll end up be probably relying on that a lot for some of my long runs. You know, like it's a really quirky, weird shoe. It's super tall. It's 50 millimeters of stack height. So like it breaks all sorts of rules in terms of being able to like race in it. I mean, if you're someone that the like the organizers or world athletics would care about what shoe you're wearing in, which is like, you know, 0.1% of us out there. Um, you know, it's technically an illegal shoe, but you know, I, the more I think about it, the more I think I understand, you know, really where Adidas is trying to go with that shoe and it starts to kind of make more sense, but at the end of the day, and, you know, watch your ankles on that one. Cause you know, it's not, it's not the most stable shoe I've ever ran in. We mentioned Ben Johnson before the king of the 7.99 run. Um, he actually, it was great. He actually did the, the screenshot yeah. of your video and put it as one of his posts of like, yeah. I know exactly what video this is from because I had a heart attack when I was watching it. Yeah, You know, it's funny because I looked at that Instagram post and I'm like, whose feet are that? Man, that person has terrible ankles. And I'm like, oh, wait, those are my feet. <laughs> um, and I was like, you know, it, it looks so much worse in the freeze frame than it felt on the day. But you know what? The picture doesn't lie. So, I mean, those pictures aren't doctored. They're, they're for real. So like, yeah, it was... It was interesting to take corners in that shoe. So, but just something to remember, you know, just it's yeah, not a race sure. shoe. So on the corners, slow it down. All right. Last one before we get going. Daily trainers. I know that you have a particular fondness for the Mach 4. You've talked about it a lot. And also, you know, this is not an A6 podcast, but you've also talked about the Nova Blast 2, as has everybody else. Seems, yeah. Everyone seems to love it. Um, and I was actually fond of the Nova Blast 1, especially after 50 miles, once it kind of squished it down a little bit. Yeah. And some of the stability issues um, started to fall away. Certainly, you can mention those, but are there anyone else that you are excited to put up some serious miles in, just from a daily trainer category? Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know if it fits in the daily trainer category anymore. But I just went for a run this morning in the Vomero 16. And, oh, I uh, like that video you put out. That was interesting. Yeah, it was a recent one that I just picked up, and you know, I'm definitely one that's like whatever I just recently ran in is probably going to be my most favorite. Um, I, I, I fall into that trap from time to time. Um, but you know, it might be kind of the honeymoon phase of the shoe, but I feel like I'm going to get a lot of good daily training miles out of that one. Um, 
And it's always kind of, it's, I don't know, like Nike doesn't treat it as like a, a kind of like a, a premier shoe, but you know, it always tends to be a shoe that like, man, this shoe is really good. They don't really talk about this one that much, but they really should. So like, that's another one that like, I'm, I'm pretty excited to be adding a lot more miles into. And I've also been reaching for the Clifton eight a whole bunch. Um, like anytime I'm like, I don't know what I want to run in today. All right, Clifton 8. There we go. There we go. And then I'm always happy about it. So it's never like a bad choice. You know, it's not like a board choice. It's a. It's like, mm. yeah, I don't know why it took me so long to get to this one. I could have saved like five minutes this morning if I just reached for it right away. So The Vomero 16, when you were showing the all angles of that shoe, it looked like it had the kind of outsole that would be useful if you were back in Iowa running a lot of the dirt roads. It seemed yeah. like it wasn't like an, it wasn't a trail shoe, but it looked yeah. like it would handle that kind of that kind of terrain pretty well. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, I get a lot of questions from like, uh, like high school kids or like, is this a good shoe for cross country? And for most of them, especially the carbon plated shoes, I'm like, no, cause you're running on hills and stuff. You're doing hill repeats. You're like a lot of your courses. If you're doing course recon, it's going to be grassy, slippery, all that sort of stuff. So like you need a little bit more tread. You don't necessarily need a tra- trail shoe though. Cause you're running in high school 5k. So I'm like, but this is a shoe I feel like would be a really good beat it up, you know, all rounder take it out every day, you know, maybe not the track day, but all the other days, because it's got a little bit more beefy of a, an outsole. And the Vomero, as far as I remember, going years back, has always kind of been that way. So like, you know, Nike positioned it as a max cushion shoe, I think, but it never really struck me as max cushion, it just struck me as more versatile, I guess, or more of like, a, I don't know, like a, uh, like a more like a crossover SUV to like a sedan, I, I, you know, I'm not really sure how you put it. Right, but the like, stack doesn't seem to be a whole lot different than the Pegasus. Right. Exactly, exactly. But like, there's, it's it's like super puffy all the time. There's like always like a lot of extra cushioning on it. And so like, I'm not sure, like it's more kind of like um like a grand touring version of a Pegasus in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, these days, like the Vomero and the Pegasus have split in terms of what they're made out of anymore. So it's not necessarily a good way to think of it as like, it's like an iterant of the Pegasus, but you know, in terms of use case, it, it kind of, it's still useful to kind of think of like it in relation to the Pegasus a little bit. All right. Last question, because you are a fan of Hoka's. You mentioned you yeah. wore them in your last race. You put a ton of miles into the Clifton's and so on and so yeah. forth. Um, there's a lot of people who have a similar issue with Hoka that I have is that I love everything about Hoka shoes, except for one thing. And it means that I can't run in a lot of them. And that is the arch. So specifically, um, just Basically, it's not even the shoe construction, it's the insole. So mm-hmm. if you look at, for a lot of Hoka um, insoles, they they basically will have, a, I'm, take, I'm literally taking off my insole to show you okay. like my insole yeah. for my A6 Evil Ride 1. Right. Yeah. So you see like the insole, like, the, like right here, right where yeah. the arch is, it overhangs the construction of the actual midsole, right? So the outsole, I'm sorry, the insole overhangs the midsole in a way to protect your arch to avoid the pinching that can happen with that overhang. With a lot of the hokas that I have purchased, it's interesting because that part of the insole, it doesn't overhang. It aligns with the inside of the shoe so that my arch hits the um uh-huh. hits hits like the, the midsole of the shoe and it pinches it. So I mm-hmm. once I hit the three mile mark, I'm like, I gotta turn around. I can't I can't run in these shoes anymore, which is yeah. unfortunate. I'm now putting this into my shoe as I'm talking, um, which is unfortunate because I really like everything about the shoe. And I found, I put this out on Instagram a couple of times. Does anyone else have this problem or is this just me? And I felt like a lot of people, again, I'm painting with a broad brush, but especially guys have this issue. You know, maybe just our shoe choices, our our archers aren't as high as some of the women runners who either follow me on Instagram or listen to the show. But I feel like the people who've experienced this problem oftentimes are also guys just like me who maybe have flatter feet or slightly overpronating or whatever. Have you experienced this at all? And if so, has it changed at all recently? You know, I don't, I don't think it really has something that I've noticed in terms of the arch giving me any discomfort in the Hoka's, but I do think that Hoka has gotten a lot more. Um, I mean, they've grown a lot over the years. So like, if you go back and you watch like, um, like an old ginger runner video of like the Hoka three, you know, like the Clifton three, I mean, he'll be like, this Clifton three is great, but it's no Clifton one. And then Clifton four is like, well, the Clifton four is better than the three, but it's no Clifton one, you know? And so like, they're always kind of like, it's like, it's like watching him talk about the sense ride. Yeah. <laughs> like the same way. Yeah. yeah. But then like, you know, and over the years he would talk about different like 
issues of fit. And like, sometimes he'd like bust a hole or like the pinky toe was and all sorts of stuff that I think I never experienced. Cause I never got to the Clifton until I think the five or the six. So like, you know, some of those earlier years of the Clifton, um, I think that there were learning a lot in terms of construction, in terms of what they needed to do for how people were using, um, some of their road shoes. And I think that one of the things that I've noticed from Hoka's overall is that there's more of a consistent like Hoka style fit, right? So when you think of like, this is a shoe, like tell me how this shoe fits. So like, well, if you're familiar with Nike running shoes, it fits like a Nike running shoe. If you know what that Nike running shoe is, you kind of know what I mean. Or if you're familiar with Adidas running shoes, you kind of know what like the uh, Adidas running shoe fit is going to be. I feel like there's more of like a consistent consistency in like a Hoka shoe fit. But I also think that they're definitely still working on it as well because, you know, like for me, like the shoes like the Bondi, I love the cushion on, on it, but it for doesn't seem like it's roomy enough for a shoe that's supposed to be as comfortable as, as that is. So like, I think there's always room for them to like kind of like still figure out what is the signature Hoka fit and how do they make it accommodate like the different styles of shoes? Because like if you ran in like the first Rincon, compare that to like, say like either the Bondi or the Clifton, like the fits of those uppers are very, very different. And it doesn't seem like, it almost doesn't seem like it's coming from the same brand, right? But I think that now that we're onto the Rincon 3, we're onto the Clifton 8, I feel like there's a little bit more kind of like, the shoes still are different where they need to be different. But like in terms of like, kind of like being able to understand what you're going to get with the shoe, I think is starting to become a little bit more uniform. And hopefully that's something that, you know, you can keep, if you keep bringing it up, I'm sure that they'll, I mean, they, I, I'm pretty sure that they hear you, Matt. So I'm, I would say like <laughs> bring it up because that could be something, or maybe something that maybe next time you try a white, if they make the, you know, cause I believe that the Clifton does come in a white. So like that could be something else to explore as well. So I've had the Rincon one and the Rincon two. And it was funny cause I, I, I like both those shoes so much. And I've tried, had the, the Hoka Torrent one. Mm-hmm. I've tried on all of those shoes. Like at the local local yeah. running stores, um, but yeah, it, it really finally hit me. Like what the issue was when I finally just like ripped the insole. I was like, the insole is this wide in the middle? What's going on? I've seen a million insoles. And what I actually did was I took the insole from the Saucony Ride 13. The, the, the midsole was just I'm sorry, it's the insole out because the midsole was just too firm for me. It just that shoe was not a good fit for me. So I just like I'm not using this anyway. I just yeah. took the insoles out, put them in the Hoka's. And it wasn't a perfect fit from a length perspective and the heel or whatever, but it solved the problem like that. Nice. Because it was the overhang was there. Boom. Gone. Um, so anyway. Yeah, maybe you just needed an aftermarket insole. That's it. Um, maybe whenever you, you get your Hoka's. Yeah. So, Mike, thank you so much. I am so excited for you. Good luck in Chicago. And I can't wait to see you in Sacramento. Good luck, my right, man. We'll have to connect when we get up there. For sure. Absolutely. Perfect. Maybe I can make an appearance on on, on, on the YouTube, on the Kafuzi YouTube worldwide yeah. sensation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how much I'll do for, um, for CIM just cause I'll be like, you know, um, the away team, uh, for Chicago, I'm planning a lot more stuff, um, before the race, but you know, yes. you know, if I'm there, you know, we can always just hop on a phone or something like that and do a live stream or something. We'll, we'll have you to go, and you'll see. Video. The expo, again, we'll see how the expos turn out. I know people are changing how the expos are working. Mm-hmm. Um, but the expo at CIM, when I went a couple years ago, was like one of the coolest things I've ever been to. It's like yeah. everyone was so friendly and so into it. Like you're running into all these people. They're like, hey, you know, whatever. And like it's a, it was a wonderful experience. I'll never forget. So um, cool. anyway, we'll figure that out later. Mike, thank you so much for coming on. All right. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Mike, thank you so much. This was such a fun conversation. Uh, if you know Mike from his YouTube channel, then you already know how awesome he, is, awesome he is. If you were part of the Rambling Runner Virtual Summit, then you saw us talk about shoes there as well. We talked about carbon racers because there are so many different kinds. That is for sure. Also, big shout out to the Richmond Marathon. Uh, those guys do such a great job. We got the, the full, sponsored by VCU Health, the half by CarMax, and the 8K by Allianz. This just sports backers. That's the name of the company that puts it on. They know what they're doing. This is one of the best races out there. Before I partnered with them, I heard it over and over again from you. I had some people saying, hey, you should come down to Richmond. And I'm so glad I'll be doing it this year to run the half marathon. That is for sure. Also do some live shows as well. So head up their website, richmondmarathon.com so that you can go save $20 if you go register for the marathon before September 16th. Thank you so much for listening and happy running.
This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.